Blog Talk Radio. A man without the faith is like a tree without the truth. That's to be true. That's to be true. Faith and protection, giving unto I, by I, 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 I. Well, if you don't got no vision, then you're empty inside. Yeah. Oh, it's like a gazing in space, wasting time. Oh. Just admit, no come for fight, no religion, all it does is divide. Oh, and still I and I and I give rises. King Rastafari, I am a I say. He's the light, not the hour of darkness. Rastafari, I am the lifeline, ruling at the heart of all flesh. King Rastafari, I am a I say. He's the light in the hour of darkness King Rastafari, I am the life light He rules in the heart of all flesh oh, Wipe away the stress, eliminate the crisis oh. Well, I sight the fullness without my glasses oh. Defender of the faith, no matter what the class is Oh, and so I, 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 we give voices. King Rastafari, I am the I, I, he's the light, not the hour of darkness. Rastafari, I am the life light, he rules in the heart of all flesh. King Rastafari, I am the I, I, the light, not the hour of darkness. Rastafari, I am the I, I, Ruling at the heart of all flesh oh, oh. All you have to say Let it keep you while you wait For brighter days to come Still we're working And we're searching To find happiness under the sun All you have to say Let it keep you while you wait For brighter days to come And every troubled situation Like me Turn in a lion mode Take time, try it out. I say, he's the light, not the hour of darkness. Rastafari, I'm the lifeline, ruling at the heart of all flesh. Him, I'm the light, not the hour of darkness. King Rastafari, I'm the lifeline, ruling at the heart of all flesh. King Rastafari, I am the light, not the hour of darkness. King Rastafari, I am the life light. He
King Rastafari, I am the lifeline. He ruling at the heart of all flesh. Oh, I am a high He's the light in the hour of darkness. King Rastafari, I am the lifeline. Ruling at the heart of all flesh. King Rastafari, I am a high Greetings, radio listeners. My name is Papa Smith. I'll be your host today for the Retard Talk with Tipping Points. And we have a fairly interesting program planned for you today. I would like to think that all the programs are somewhat interesting. But today we have, as our guest, a very distinguished gentleman, uh, someone who is no stranger to Belize's political environment and speaking of none other than Don Hector Silva. He's a thief veteran when it comes to politics, and he's someone that definitely has his finger on the pulse with regards to Belize's past, and I respect his insight with regards to what he believes the future holds for Belize. So I'm going to join us in about five minutes, and before we get started on that level, what I'd like to do is just to start the show by saying I'm quite certain that you agree that many things are here in Belize right now. There are a lot of things going on in different spheres, in different political fronts, uh, whether it be political or not, whether it be crime or what have you, definitely things are a buzz. And unfortunately, the things that are a buzz, for the most part, are not positive things. So hopefully, we can have a spirited discussion whereby we can maybe bring us for the first time to you the show. It's basically an effort to provide those who do not subscribe to the predominant PUDP paradigm, any of the students come to the issues. Mostly those who do not have access to traditional mass communication channels and avenues to which to reach the region on the road. Our thoughts are indicative of the commitment to discuss issues that the politicos and party hats of the PDP are unwilling to touch. The tipping point is attributed to the text of a similar name by renowned author Malcolm Will, in which he defines the concept as the moment of critical mass, the threshold, the boiling point. Both socially and politically, believed is at a juncture in leading in learning to Bladwell's perspective, it is respect the notion of uneven products and messages and behavior spreading as viruses do shall, shall prove applicable to the belief in reality. And with, and with this, inspire a vibrant, proactive, and civil society that is ushering in substantive changes required to move the least forward. And that's pretty much the gist or the crooks of the show. I'm a firm believer that in order for Belize to move forward, we can't depend on the establishment parties. We as Belize and true friends of Belize take the bull by the horns and do what we must. And do what we must in order to 
get things done to move forward and hopefully get this country where it needs to be. So I am going to invite the doctor to give us a call, and as soon as he's in, let's see if we can get the conversation started. Just await his call, but in the meantime, let's touch on a few topics here that have been in the news. I really hate to start off a discussion with such terrible news, but I'm quite certain that those of you who have been attuned to the recent uh, crime information young woman of the age of 25, originally from Independence Village, uh, lost her life earlier this week. Uh, very, very tragic. I don't know the particulars, but anytime someone loses their life in such a fashion, it's, it's, it's depressing. And, you know, when I look at situations like that, I think that this individual had so much potential and so much promise that her life was snuffed out. A lot of times we... We are very, very um, critical of the things that happen, but my understanding, based on what I've seen via newscasts and also on social media, is that the police acted very quickly, and they have two people in custody that they believe are quite possibly the perpetrators of this, this tragic event. So kudos to the police for doing their due diligence thus far and apprehending suspects. Also, I just pray to God that... Um, in terms of evidence gathering and whatnot, that the process is sophisticated enough so that when it reaches the prosecution stage, these individuals, if indeed they are guilty, guilty parties, don't skip by way of a technicality. We've seen that far too often in beliefs, and I tell you, it's, it's very depressing. It's very sad. Um, another situation that recently took place was the case of a young woman and also I think about three other defendants that, that were accused of the murder of a young woman by the name of Randy Dyer. That is a horrific situation, um, very graphic, and I must say that it is a downright shame that all defendants in that particular case got off scot-free as a result of technicality. One of the things that we, we must do as a nation is to lobby and make sure that our police, our investigative forces are really
to reject it. Because the bottom line is this. They can have their referendum if they want. The people not show up. There's no way that they can 
fabricate numbers and say that they've reached the threshold of 60%. That cannot happen. That shall not happen. That will not happen. I understand that Don Hector might be with us now. Don Hector, are you there? Good morning, Paco. Good morning. Yes, yeah, good morning. All right. Good morning, sir. How are you? Oh, fine. Just the dry weather is on. Ah, okay. Okay. So it's nice and dry up in San Ignacio. Very much. Very much. Excellent. We just got to Ali Pass over here in Belize today, and he was messing with our connection. But it looks like it, it's already passed. <clears throat> yes, sir. I would like to welcome you to the show. I thank you very much for accepting the invitation. And I did a very brief, yes, sir. I did a very brief uh, introduction. I think that almost everyone knows of you, but for those who may not know of Don Hector. I will simply say that he's a gentleman with many, many, many years of service to this country, please. He served this nation in many different capacities within several administrations over the years. He's been a minister of, of government. He's been a senator in the government. And he's very, very active in regards to what's going on in, in this beautiful nation of ours. So, Don Hector, again, I welcome you. And, well, as I mentioned... Here I am. Sir. It's a pleasure to be in the program. Excellent. Well, sir, I would like to see if we can touch on a number of different topics. As you know, Belize is at a crossroads right now. It really, really is. And there are several things that I would like to see if we can get through this two-hour period. And just for the sake of continuity, why don't we start with the topic that I just began with, and that is the issue of this harebrained um, idea that's been accepted by the government of Belize and its Ministry of Foreign Affairs in regards to the referendum on this Guana situation. Would you care to chime in on that, sir? Yes, Paco. My view on this referendum is to me an insult thrown at the struggle for our sovereignty and territorial integrity. This struggle was very arduous. It was very dedicated by so many people, the workers of this country, the fishermen of this country, the educators of this country. All these people combined went through the process of molding a nation we know now as Belize. I was among them from a very early age, in the early 1956 January, that I joined the forces because I saw that the only future for us was to be an independent nation. Having gone through the process, the point which when we were to decide whether we go independent or whether we stay as a protectory of Great Britain, we chose to go independent because as we were before, we were British subjects. We had no identity. And so the preparations began by first of all selecting a name for the country, which became Belize, ancient name, 
also to decide on a flag for the country, which was well discussed with so many groups, and selected the coat of arms of the Bemen, of the first settlers, which is in our flag. And then we went to see a national anthem. And after going through so many, so many suggestions, we arrived at land of the free. Well, it was land of God, but we, 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 we replied to land of the free. And then, of course, the same. But, Paco, what should be interesting for our audience, before we go deeper into hard questions, Belize is the only territory that was never owned, occupied, conquered, or settled by Spain. Belize is the only one. When you go down as from Canada up to the tip of South America, and you see all these countries that became independent, Belize was the only one that was never occupied by Spain. And there are reasons for this. Mm -hmm. And I will make it in capsule so that you can ask where. There were reasons. First of all, in 1511, the Maya in Corozal drove the Spaniards away, drove Hernan Cortes from putting foot on mainland Belize. And this happened at an occasion when Spain was trying to move into Honduras and Guatemala and everything. They wanted to come to this distance. But the Mayas, Nachan Khan, the chief, sent them a message saying that the only homage that he would pay to Spain was swords, or rather corn, in the shape of swords, in the shape of swords, and turkeys in the shape of spears. That was Nachantan's tremendous historical message to the Spaniards. Don't come. The second attack was when Spain tried to colonize that area known around here as Tipu. It's about three miles from San Ignacio. The remnants are still there. When Spain wanted to take over this area, because they had already taken over Petén, the, the Mayas again got together, the Mopan, the Itzas, and the Tipuans, and they defeated the Spaniards in the War of Liberation in 1642. Spain abandoned their pretension of distance from land, and they not returned again until 1779 when they attacked St. George's Key and took the people there, marched them prisoners to Yucatan, to Cuba. But then the settlers returned and they said, no, we are going to set. And so, on the 10th of September, 1798, 
final battle took place when the settlers drove the Spaniards away for the last time, never to return. Okay, this gives us what we must accept as the truth of ownership. Ownership by possession. Ownership by right. So this is what I present the best argument we have. That Spain could not have given any country the territory of Belize they did not own it. And actually happened that in 1821, when the Central American Republic got their independence, it was 23 years after the Battle of St. George's King. So Spain couldn't do what they did not own, what they did not conquer. So this, based upon this, this is my argument that this becomes to us and nobody can claim it, and we should not ordain any claim whatsoever. Okay, so I leave it at that and question. Okay, absolutely, Don Hector. I really appreciate you giving us that historical <clears throat> excuse me, perspective because it's important that we know here and we know this and we acknowledge it because my position is quite frankly that if we are aware of our origins, if we accept the facts that you've just stated, there is no reason under the sun that we should entertain any type of move to uh, acknowledge the intransigence of Yamaha. Because by virtue of the fact that our government has gone thus this far to say that, you know what, make me take a look at it, make me consider it, it's actually weakening our position with regards to the global perspective. And that is why I am adamant at this time that if and when the Referendum Committee or the Ministry of Foreign Affairs or whichever entity does it agrees on a date for the referendum, that we must boycott it. And we must stand together as Belizeans firmly with regards to this. By virtue of the fact that Guatemala showed its disregard, its disrespect for the process and definitely for Belize by just unilaterally pulling out of the once wanted compromise, it demonstrates to me that the Guatemalans have no respect for anything when it comes to belief. Yes, no. Paco, this is the other good, big argument that we Belizeans should have. First of all, I say, what claim? Which one claim? Which one founded claim? So, uh, this matter of there is a claim that is the most insulting word to our sovereignty by anybody. That there is a claim. What claim? When in fact the claim came about, and let us take this very important. A fellow named Walker from the United States invaded Nicaragua in 1856. Listen to that date. 1856 Walker, adventurous Walker invaded Nicaragua and declared himself president of Nicaragua. Good. His idea was 
to move and take over the whole of Central America at the behest of the United States. In other words, let's take over this place like how we took over Puerto Rico. Good. So, Guatemala got very much nervous. All the countries of Central America, that Walker was going to overrun them. So, they sent an emissary to England to speak, including Queen Victoria, to speak to them that they needed the protection of Great Britain. And they were prepared to sign any agreement provided that England was going to defend them from General Walker. 1956, that's three years before the so-called Anglo-Guatemalan agreement. 1856, correct, yes. 1856, good. So now, under duress, under fear, Guatemala begged to have an agreement, to sign an agreement, which they made. Okay. Run over the seven uh, the articles of the, of the agreement. Article 7. Article 7 has never been read fully to the people. Because Article 7 is in this world, England, for the, okay, for the good um, relations existing between England and Guatemala, I'm putting it in Belizean English, for the good relations that exist, that means protecting us from Waka, we agree that England jointly with Guatemala will build a means of communication between the two existing parties, which Belize, British Honduras, and Guatemala. And it follows. And a cart road we will build from the Caribbean Sea or Atlantic Ocean to Guatemala. Okay. There is an agreement, but then it followed. Or make use of the existing rivers, which actually took place because almost all the products of Peten passed through our river, the old river, Belize River, from 1842 that began. So 1859 was just to actually say it exists. All the chicle, all the mahogany from Petén came through El Cayo Benque Viejo into Belize for the foreign market. And in addition, their goods used to come out, and I went to verify it in, in Flores Petén, they are zinc, they are building material, they are food, they are everything came through Belize by 26 boats, river boats that were plying this route to feed Petén with their needs. So let us realize that if we analyze that Anglo-Guatemalan agreement, first of all it is Anglo, it is not Belize-Guatemala, Anglo-Guatemalan agreement, England and Guatemala, 
but also it tells us that actually there is no ground that because of that agreement Guatemala would own Belize. But let us put it that in that agreement they agreed on the borders. They agreed on the borders as specified in our constitution very clearly what are the borders of Belize, what is the territorial possession of Belize. And in 1831, as you know, Paco, very well, down at Sarstone, Gracias a Dios. Big monument is there. Here at Garbot Falls, near Benqueviejo, there is the monument, and at Aguasturbias. Those are the monuments that indicated the separation of both territories, Petén, Guatemala from Belize. But then we go farther. Fixed borders is the Rio Hondo. You can't move the Rio Hondo from up north. Fixed borders is the Sarstone. You cannot move the Sarstone from there. It's not artificial. Fixed border is the Caribbean Sea. You cannot move the Caribbean Sea from there. And fixed border is that point, that point called Garbot Falls because the border is right there and you cannot move those falls there. There are too much to be removed. So I say we have fixed borders. And the denying to open those borders is tantamount to treason. Treason against the sovereignty of Belize. Go ahead, Paco, whatever question. Hello. Hello. I appreciate you going through that and walking us through it because it's important. You see, what happens is when we have these governmental officials that are towing the line for the status quo and talking all this foolishness about, oh, we need to engage this and that, it's important that a voice of reason comes to the fore, much like yourselves and other individuals like Mr. Will Mayer, Mr. Hubert Pipersberg, and others that clearly understand this situation. I think that it's indicative of the fact that we know where we are. Our borders are outlined in our Constitution. And my position is that all who matter with regards to the recognition of beliefs have already recognized us with our borders intact. And there's no, need, there's no need for us to venture down any path that could lead to the eventual loss of territory in one fashion or another. Now, Don Hector, I'd like to switch gears a little bit because you, you, you use the word... Hello, hello. Hello.
some serious technical difficulties here. Can you hear me? I see it. It's a bit garbled, yes, but I'm hearing you, but it's a bit garbled. But I'm hearing Okay, okay. Just please bear with me. Something's going on with the, the connection through Skype, so I'm using my telephone. But um, I was, as okay. I was saying, oh, well, let me apologize to the listeners. My apologies, but we're experiencing some technical difficulties. Don Hector, I was saying that you used a term a bit earlier, the term treason, and I think it's quite appropriate with regards to the entire situation involving this, this uh, facilitation of the OAS in Guatemala with regards to this unfounded claim. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to transition a little bit in relation to our discussion, because I remember a few uh, months ago you made an open call for individuals who are basically fed up with what's going on politically here in Belize to, to come together and try and see if we can find some common ground in relation to a way forward. So one of the things I'd like to do is to, to touch on that particular topic right now and frame it within the context of, for example, constitutional reform and or areas that you see we need to address within civil society so that Belize can move forward. I have some ideas myself, but I'd like to hear from you first, and maybe I can augment what you said. Good. Paco, my idea, you know, I was involved in politics for almost 60 years, six and zero, and I have seen 
political parties form dissolve i have seen many attempts by individuals to try to come up with ideas to change the system that has deteriorated so much in governance we have heard so many times by people from all over the country claiming that leadership has betrayed them and now the general lamentation throughout the country is where do we go next so you can recall that we met a few months year a year or so ago we met in san ignacio to hear the views of many organizations that of throughout the country and we had there people like cola we had big year we had fecta from the tourist industry we had so many people came up and they said let us discuss and it was agreed that a body an umbrella would be formed so that this umbrella can begin to solicit ideas how to go forward from here we there is a conclusion by many people that both political parties at the moment actually are almost equal with each sovereignty territorial integrity and the words that have been quoted by people are mr price said not one square of territory not one square centimeter of territory will be ceded for our independence likewise he said this the sovereignty and territorial integrity of belize is not for negotiation litigation or arbitration that was our motto during that period when we were moving from self government to independence that was our motto that's the policy of government no litigation no arbitration no negotiation on the territory of Belize in that not one centimeter the other of our heroes the honorable philip bolson said no Guatemala. and the time to save your country is before you lose it here we have these two national heroes actually telling us their position on the nation of belize and how to protect it okay there came that period when actually that position was being may use the word prostituted because people came as advisors like for example 
Mr. Sridhar Ramphal came here with the idea that he can solve this problem. And what we resulted, well, he got some of his locals here to go along with him, and what resulted in that infamous suggestion of an adjacency zone. Adjacency mm-hmm. zone between two countries is a total disgrace. Adjacency zone actually erodes erodes the word boundary, frontier. Yet, yet notice how ridiculous that suggestion was. That presently, you go across the border here with Guatemala and there is an immigration and customs just about a hundred feet apart. Yet this adjacent zone extends for kilometers on both sides. So it has caused the impression. It has caused an impression on bandits, illegals, to enter into each other's territories. Well, we are not doing it. But there are people they are doing it. They say, okay, adjacency zone doesn't have a limitation, doesn't have a marker. So they are coming by the hundreds of pound gold to take our shape, take our, our tapir babies, we take away our macabre, our forestry product, mahogany. This is what was created by Mr. Shrida Ramphal. Adjacency zone. This great one. Then there came that other word to build confidence building measures. What do they mean by that? There has existed here at our borders confidence between the two peoples for centuries. There has been no problem between the Viejo, San Ignacio, and Petén. So we never need no confidence building in respect of each other, the mutual respect, and let us build on this negotiation, I mean, build, um, building on, 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 on commerce, building on social services, building on the control of the Mediterranean fruit fly, building on so many things. And this has been going on quite well for quite a number of years until these people came in with that idea that we must try to go for someone to settle a claim that is unfounded and somebody that does not know Belize. The judges at the Hague. They, they, I see they don't know Belize, they don't feel for Belize, but what they can feel is pressure by international sources that can or may have an interest that this matter goes to a court and then something very funny is dictated to who? Belize. Guatemala has nothing to lose. But Belize has everything to lose. Because even one square inch 
given, it destroys our constitution. We would have to go back and begin to redraw Schedule 1 of our constitution that is our territorial integrity. Any piece of water that is granted as a bargaining chip destroys our territorial integrity. That's why Mr. Price said not one square centimeter. No, we are be hearing that no, we must do the accommodation, accommodate that. We should be in good relation with Guatemala. We should, and Mexico, and Honduras, and Salvador, and Jamaica. But for God's sake, don't do it at the expense of our very existence as a nation. And that's what is being done right now. So I tell the people, look, man, for God's sake, don't, don't entertain that. That is to me the biggest threat to our nation when these people are talking about going to for somebody else to tell whether we are independent or not. This is craziness, man. God went through this process in we, we got our independence. So, Paco, I am saying that this matter of ICJ to me should be killed from now. No need. Waste of time, waste of money. That's my view. Absolutely, sir. Waste of time, waste of scarce resources that we can't even afford to spend. That's right. All right. Well, I, I safe to say safe to say I agree with you wholeheartedly, Don Hector. And now uh, I'm going to put some ideas up there, and I'd like to just get your feedback with regards to them. So the first point I want to touch on is with regards to areas within our Constitution that needs to be looked at in regards to our governance. And let's see. In regards to my perspective, I think that the, the first past the post system of governance, which we utilize here in Belize, although democratic, is sorely lacking in terms of its effectiveness toward providing equity among Belizeans. Due to its configuration, it functions accordingly. Yes, it does function, but it functions as a means by which to elect a government. Therein, it fails considerably in terms of providing appropriate representation of the vast majority of the electorate. As a result, due to the lack of recognition by the people, as well as a lack of our, our assertiveness as, as a people on a whole, Belize's political environment is dominated by two political parties. This is evidenced by the fact that attempts by non-aligned movements, as you touched on, have experienced considerable challenges. And predominant among them is the ability to encourage Belizeans to actively embrace something other than that with which we are accustomed, and that is either PUP or UDP. Now, in terms of constitutional reform, Belize necessitates, at least in my opinion, a move from the current system of governance to adopt something along the lines of proportional representation. And let me explain to you why I feel this way. The basis on which proportional representation is grounded allows for a more representative form of governance. And within this construct, the political environment allows for an increased number of smaller players to function and become a viable option for those who are not satisfied with the prevailing status quo. Such a move, I believe, would encourage 
disenfranchise and discourage voters' options beyond that of the traditional two parties. And this, in turn, should be manifest in greater political plurality. Now, key to this reform effort is believed to adopt, and again, this is just my opinion, to adopt yeah. a Republican form of government in which the leader of government is, in fact, directly elected by the electorate. Uh-huh. In so doing, it would allow for a clear delineation as to the, the people as to whom they wish to lead our government's affairs. Under our current system of governance, the prime minister is the du jour leader of the nation, meanwhile not officially receiving a vote of confidence from the masses. What's your opinion on that, sir? Good. No, you gave me, <coughs> you gave me a, a series of openings for, for, for answers. But may I go the Constitution? Let's, I'll say the Constitution. The Constitution, I think, has lived its purpose. It needs upgrading. It needs amendment. But I would like to see the Constitution of Belize clearly define separation of powers. This is important for democracy's purposes. The judiciary should be given full, full independence from the executive. And the legislature should also be totally independent of cabinet or executive. And I tell you why. Presently, We are being ruled by cabinet. This can, only, this can only be described as the closest to dictatorship. This is a fact. Okay. Why they should be independent? First of all, let us define what is the House of Representatives, the legislature. That is the body the umbrella of governance because from that source monies are allocated laws are instituted or passed from that body comes decisions policies of government they should not come from cabinet so once cabinet has an idea on a policy They should not put it into practice or action until the legislation approves it. Okay. Right now, cabinet is taking decisions, and they are acting on those decisions, which is wrong. Don Hector, you're definitely of the same mind as myself, and you're actually getting a little bit ahead of me. But if I could just yes. um, add something to what you said, and then we just continue. And okay, go ahead. I, as I'm looking at my notes, With regards to cabinet, I'm saying specifically with regards to cabinet, the notion and practice, practice of collective group thought must be done away with. Area representatives who are chosen to function within the cabinet must hold allegiance to their constituents, not a political party. Exactly. Cabinet members must be imbued with the constitutional mandate of acting first and foremost in the best interest of the nation and not for that which is politically expedient. We see a lot of that taking place right now. The current system of governance encourages what we call political tribalism, which in effect functions to maintain the status quo. 
And given the manner in which cabinet is currently administered, it is the prime minister who undoubtedly wields the most influence within that body. That so his or her position is the de facto determinant of government policy. That arrangement right. doesn't bode well for the, the plural element of decision making, which should be sought. That is, that is inevitably more open to a variety of perspectives and inputs. So, please go ahead. No, the matter of cabinet. The composition of cabinet should never be more than a third of the total number of persons in the House of Representatives. Nothing more than that. Right now there are 17, which is more than half. So, whatever cabinet decides, that is what is going to go through in the House. They have in the majority, in fact, 17 minutes has come to the house of 31 and they vote what they want. That is one. Secondly, those bills that are referred by cabinet to the house of representatives come already with a sealed, signed, and delivered uh, 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 position. Members of the house have just become rubber stamps. I have been there. I have been there on two occasions, both when, when the house was the boss, because we were only seven ministers on the self-government constitution, and there were 18 and then 29. But today, what cabinet decides is gone. No ask about the Senate. The Senate is just a paper to work on. It's totally unnecessary, I would say. I served in, in the Senate too. I have served in cabinet in, in the House and in, in the Senate. And to me, right now, we are not being governed well. Judiciary. The judiciary have total independence from cabinet. This matter of giving a judge a contract to be renewed by cabinet, it is it, a damn shame. It's a mockery. Absolutely. Judges should be free and not be thinking whether their contract will be renewed, especially when a government has failed the nation. The legislature should be given full independence and stop that nonsense of crossing the floor. You know right now, members that sit there, especially on the government side, they are total frozen. They are immobile. They cannot speak for their constituencies. Example, Honorable Cardona wanted to speak for his constituents and he was just chuffed off by his party in government. Now, this is one of all that framework of those people that compose the government of Belize is totally in disarray. Then I go further, Paco, to call on the need of a governor general. I thought that the governor general, as the minister of state, should have some prerogative to either call the 
cabinet that they are doing wrong. And he has the power to dissent on any law that is presented that is detrimental to the country. Yet our governor general, for some reason, perhaps, I don't know, has not been given that kit necessary to stop this nonsense, to stop, for example, the present situation whereby justice is being openly denied. In the cases of the passport, the Rosewood, the Maya Rouge, the contraband, the so many things. Actually, justice has been suspended. Look what has happened in that investigation of passports. Man, this is too clear that whereby the police begins to investigate a serious matter, yet the police are just stopped. Don't continue. Don't do it. No, is this democracy? Is this how a country should be ruled? That wrong becomes right? Or that corruption becomes wrong? This is not the way forward, Paco. And hence, you mentioned somewhere around the line there, the idea that we wanted to hear the nation speak in that proposed national convention that I invited, but it never succeeded, that national convention to bring people from every part of Belize to say, okay, this is the position. Are you in agreement? What are you prepared to do? This is what I suggest in my old age as the only solution at this moment to get the conscience of the people, to muster people's power, to consult the Belizean whether they are indeed happy or unhappy. 46% poor, 20-odd unemployed, students don't know where they're going to get a job, and I can go on. There's total dissatisfaction. Mm-hmm. And this is my idea why I propose that we hold on the 15th or 16th of March, the highest March in history, that some of the response was not where well, you gave me a response very good, favorable, and others, but there was this matter that if there was too much of a coldness, coldness, perhaps it is not understood yet. I hope it will be understood soon. If not, the least is in peril. People don't want to accept it, or they have not been clearly told that Belize right now is being invaded, Paco, being invaded on all fronts. We are being invaded territorially and by water by sea by those illegals entering to take our Big invasion is going on. There's a cold response by the authorities. We are being invaded socially our our Belizeanism is being eroded as we speak because of foreign invasion of customs, traditions, and even our faith. We are being morally invaded 
morally invaded by introducing these rubbish agendas that Europe is trying to impose on us by force. I'll not give you one toilet if you do not do what I say. Or loans. So, Paco, we are in serious trouble. I, I speak clearly. I, I, I have no hairs on my tongue. That belief is in serious. We are being invaded from various angles. And so, where do we go? What do we do? Crime. Crime is becoming more hideous. Look what happened just a few days here with that poor young lady. I mean, where is that fear of law? None. We are becoming a lawless society. That's why I was calling for that national convention to prepare a way forward how to handle. This is what we did in 1950. Prepare the people to fight against all those evils as a united front. It didn't happen, but it can still happen. So, Paco, this is my, and I have more to tell you, but it's too long. But I'm just saying, this is what I am seeing our beautiful Belize becoming a country in danger of being lost. Absolutely. Well, along those lines, Don Hector, I can also propose in relation to that which is needed in far in insofar as change in the country is this whole notion of ministerial discretion. The mm-hmm. term yeah. as well as practice must be removed removed from all legal statutes. And I say this because in so doing it would provide it provide an environment which is less enabling for government ministers make arbitrary and spurious determinations. It would allow for the advice of those with the technical acumen in their respective areas of expertise to be seriously taken into consideration by ministers of government. And therefore, it should result in decision-making at the highest governmental levels, which is steeped in research, analysis, and professional assessment, thereby minimizing the possibility of decisions being enacted upon purely based on political impulse. And in my opinion, ministerial discretion has been one of the utmost beings to our development in this nation. That's true. That's true. Very well. And I'll tell you what. This matter of ministerial discretion is something actually that came up new between 81 and here. Because first, a minister was responsible cabinet and we have a call um, collective responsibility. What Pena do, the rest did. Must respond. What whoever, whatever minister does something, cabinet has to take also the blame for not acting when they should act. No, the Constitution, Paco. There's an importance here that people must realize. We as a nation have pledged that we are committed to the supremacy of God. That speaks many words. But in the Constitution, I, well, I, am, I was responsible at the, for the formation of that Constitution in certain sections. But I see, for example, that as the country goes 
larger or rather progresses, there are certain things that have to be amended. For example, the matter of acquisition. Article 17 of the mm. Constitution speaks very clearly about government acquire private property of private businesses. It's clear. But the travesty to this whole thing was when it was decided to try to amend Article 2 that gives the Constitution supremacy over any other law but that was violated again and everything went. The result is now that even though we are boasting that our economy might grow, it is not growing, 0 0.7, 0 0.7 is not growth. It's practically at a standstill, but that we grow. Are we considering that because of that travesty in our constitution, two giant, two giant, enterprises were acquired, confiscated, whatever word you want to say, and yet we have not paid a cent for them, which is BEL and BTL. We owe there a sum of what, 600 million or more? Because interest have accrued. When will those cases come? Will they be favorable to Belize that the judges will say, oh, you take it, take it, man, you keep it. Is that what is going to happen? People are not aware. Then there's this other matter of saying that belief is, 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 is bathing in, in millions of dollars. Where are they? Are they being used for the people, for the poor people to create jobs? Are they being used to improve our, our, our health facilities that, are de that have deteriorated? Or our utilities that are keep going higher? I see a lot of scarifying drains are being dug all over the place and the whole cities are in dust bathing. But the rains will come in the next two months. And what will happen? More money to repair the drains that were filled by water? It's a serious situation that I don't know if people are, militias are realizing in the dilemma that we are going through. I thought that both governments, PUP and UDP, would have taken as a policy, as a sacred duty, the creation of jobs by producing more for the local consumption and the export market. And we have a list of industries that can be started with all that money that has been done. Cement factory, we are importing millions of dollars, yet we have all the material here by San Antonio and Crystal Ray. Everything is there, really. They don't know nobody's interested. <coughs> a canning factory, to can that amount of produce that the farmers are producing for the export market. And we have so many, many, many things. But no, all we are doing is hands out to keep the people poor continuously and also only those projects that give benefits to those that 
negotiate for it. This is what we are seeing. There is no hope for our people. All the hundreds of students that will graduate in June or have graduated before, they are there in limbo. They are in limbo. They don't know where next to go, when it is going to improve. So, Paco, we are in serious. Our country is actually wounded. Our country is bleeding. You know, um, our country. On what is, what is, what is so sad is that a lot of people don't appear to either want to acknowledge it or they just simply don't understand what's going on. Because what I is happening in the government? They don't, is I would say they don't understand the severity of this thing because actually those poor people are being converted to slaves. I'll tell you why. They are being mitigated. Their, their desires, their, their hunger is being mitigated by a hands-out. What is going to happen when that hands-out is not there? The country is not bearing in, in, in money. What will happen to those people that are employed to do one street? No. When that done, when there should be actually, these young men should be trained in skilled jobs and also propel those industries that can actually employ people fully, not just for six months or seven months, because they're going back to square one. That's what I'm seeing here. That there's and you know, it ties into seriousness. the... Hello? It ties into the whole concept of, of doing these things for political expediency. And to borrow the words of yes. our, our good friend... Piper'sburg, he uses a term which is, is quite apropos in which he says that they're simply nibbling at the periphery. They're not dealing with the crux of the matter, the situation at hand. Exactly. And if I may, I'd just like to uh, also insert a few points with regards to our economic system. And in my view, Belize can benefit from adopting a distinct economic plan which provides for an enhancing of our agricultural system with a focus towards self-sustainability. The foundation of this effort should, should be focused on food security for the nation first and foremost, but also with a view towards Belize taking up its rightful place as the breadbasket of the Caribbean. And when I was studying in Jamaica, that That's term right. came up quite often in my studies, and they constantly would look at Belize and, and Guyana and say, you know what, we don't have so much land, you all should be leading the charge of food security for the region. Which is, the, which is the case. But I don't know what is the deal with our so-called mm -hmm. leaders through successive administrations. It looks as though they either have their priorities screwed up or they don't know any better. But this is uh, one of the areas in which Belize distinctly has a competitive advantage um, with regards to our situations in the Caribbean. And this must be put into effect by a way of adopting sustainable agricultural practices and approaches which do not destroy the environment. Concerted effort must be put forward to reduce Belize's imports, meanwhile encouraging the development of local industries like you touched on, Don Hector, which can boost yes. the nation's exports across the board. And, you know, it, it's exactly. so interesting, Don Hector, because it's clear as day for anyone who wants to see, but I think what is happening is that these politicians, these politicals, they're so wrapped up into maintaining the status quo that they're looking at the forest, but they're not seeing the trees. And like you say, this, same, this lack of job creation is going to come back and bite us in the butt. Because when you live in a country 
where they're paying gang members to, as they say, hold it down, whereby you have Best. hundreds of students, hard-working, dedicated students coming out of UB and St. John's and Wesley and all these six forms throughout the nation, and they don't have a job to turn to. You know that there's something fundamentally wrong with the leadership of this nation. Yeah. And there's the young people because that are coming up. The young people coming up are seeing that there's no way, no avenue to follow, so they're going to follow the same trend that has been there for so long, and that is joining guns. Take that example, Paco, of Big Year. That is one of the greatest opportunities that government had to jumpstart the economy in the agricultural sector. And I'll explain to you. Those people there, they were given two acres, which in my opinion is a shame. Because in that area, there's thousands of acres that are there that government could have said, okay, we are going to start a pilot project of a thousand people, let's call it a thousand, and we are going to guide them to produce, because the area is good, that Bivadam area is very fertile, to produce, let us say, sesame seed, wangla we call it, yeah? The, the, the world is hungry for sesame seed, they use it especially in the Arab world, then cardamom seeds, Cardamom is an expensive um, a product. You know, it's a green. It's a green cardamom. Use a lot. And they could have started a pilot project. Like, in other words, parallel with Spanish lookout, but made up of local people. That could have been their opportunity to form the gear into that pilot project to begin others somewhere else, in other words, production of more for the export market, production of more for the local market, and bringing a good canning factory to produce what we are importing. We are importing tomato in, in bigar, tomato chopped up in peas, tomato in, in juice, tomato in peas, and yet tomato in ketchup, yet the market, our markets are overflowing with tomato. Our market mm -hmm. grow the country. And the people would produce more, you know. But there is no outlet. I could recall that Cairo had a good factory at Esperanza by Don Emilio Aue that used to buy all the products from the people. Green peas, jalapeno, uh, tomato, tomate, cauliflower. That factory used to can all those products, about 10, 10 products, well, well preserved, beautifully. But in those days, of course, there was no intention for agriculture because the British, they were more interested in, in, in extracting lands. So that factory closed down. But now I am seeing the need that we can produce a lot for the Caribbean market. In one big a $60 million bridge like the one that they're putting here in San Ignacio, our $57 million bridge, and being put in the wrong down place, right? in the wrong place they put in that bridge. Because that place there is low, they could have gone right ahead there, half a mile, quarter mile from San Ignacio, on that Contiki area, they could have built a beautiful bridge for quarter the price, like how Melchor did their own for $7 million. 
Here they go to spend $58 million for a bridge that they could have built no, once. That... I had visit to show you those that are governing or don't know what they are doing. They don't know. Yes, and the thing is, I, I, would, I would make the case that they know precisely what they're doing because they're involved in the graft, and they are not hey, looking out for the, the best interest of this, of this nation. You gave the right but answer. But that's where I... They have that's why I feel frustrated, Doctor, because mm-hmm, the thing is that unless the people of this nation hold them accountable, they will yes. continue with this foolishness. And that's yes. where civil yes. society must stand up and be heard. Yes, exactly. That's exactly. But you see, the whole thing is what I would say. What can I say? I don't want to use that term that I have always been using, that there is lack of leadership. There are leaders in this country. But it needs exactly what we have been saying. It needs to get a collective, a collective meeting of people from Albaga to see what should be done. This was done in 1950, you know. There was a meeting in 6th of January 1950, when the, well, it was in the movement of independence, it was the People's Committee that met there and they decided a plan forward. And in that plan forward, it was decision to oppose anything that was colonial. Colonial. For example, the people getting 25 cents a day labor, and the, well, the, the extraction of, 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 of mahogany without uh, preparing for what will come after. Okay, so that was the People's Committee. So if Belizeans could begin by a small group to plan what should be the way forward, and then from there begin to educate the people, look, your problems are based upon this, 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 and this. Just what we are talking about right now. And unless this does not change, unless this change, belief will never, never, ever be that bright jewel that all of us desire to have. Because there's too much corruption, there's too much bribery going on, members of of the House are winning elections by bribing voters, people voting for People come from across the border here on election day by bus loads to vote, and then they go back home. I know two constituencies in Ohio that were won by people from across the border. This is what we have. Don Hector, I'll tell you something. You've raised a very, very important issue, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if you didn't look at my notes somehow through the computer, because that's the next point I wanted to bring up. So if, uh-huh. if I may, let me just comment on that, and let's see if we can uh, crash it out a little bit. And I'm saying okay. in, this, in this segment, in terms of preserving the sovereignty of our nation, constitutional reform is sorely needed involving what I deem to be acts of treason. And case in point is the former minister, Elvin Penner. It's a clear example. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. only must the term treason be reassessed, but it must also be clearly defined and accompanied with specific penalties for anyone, especially government officials who engage in activities 
which places Belize's sovereignty and territorial integrity in jeopardy. Right. Given that our constitution is the supreme law of the land, it must be explicitly put forth that anyone found acting in contravention of the constitution, which clearly identifies the national boundaries of this nation, both terrestrial and maritime, shall be dealt with to the fullest extent of the law. And this must be spelled out specifically. Because I don't want okay. to hear anything about, well, you know, there's nothing, there's no statute that deals with that. No. When we're looking at this, we have to make the law have teeth. To this, okay. no one can be exempt. No one. I'm talking from the prime minister down. Yes, and sir. therefore, in the, in the case of the cabinet's, this current cabinet's insistence by way of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, its continued attempts to facilitate a mechanism by way of its compliance with the OAS to subject the territorial integrity of this nation to the jurisprudence of an international court, they would be held accountable on charges of treason. Because as far as I'm concerned, they're basically selling us out or attempting to feed us down a path of destruction. Yeah. Destroy the now, with regard to that, Go ahead. With regard to that, I think a specific non-negotiable offense involving jail time concerning the ongoing inaction of government officials and, in, and government entities to proactively ensure the sovereignty of this nation, our borders, to maintain our borders, must be enshrined in the Constitution. So basically, if you're vested with this responsibility and you're negligent in carrying it out or doing it or ensuring that the powers that be, the BDF, are equipped are manned enough to, to go to the borders and secure it, then I think that they should be held in contempt. Not the BDF, but I'm talking about the, the lawmakers. And this would involve, for example, assurance that harsh penalties are spelled out and enforced regarding anyone who engages in the act of granting citizenship to Guatemalan nationals. Because as far as I know, in our Constitution, it says that any nation that has an outstanding, um, unfounded claim on our sovereign territory, their nationals of that nation should not be granted Belizean nationality. And here we've had for years, years upon years, administrations granting Guatemalan citizenship. And you know, uh, when I think about this, Don Hector, a lot of times people say, yeah. oh, the invasion, the invasion. As far as I'm concerned, the invasion doesn't take place. Exactly. It doesn't take exactly. place. That's what is happening right uh, now. That is exactly what is happening. You call this the Trojan horse is already in our in our country. The Trojan horse is right inside the country. Spirit soldiers from across. Now, Paco, along with this, the Constitution, that what you mentioned just now should be actually a chapter in our Constitution. How to preserve our sovereignty and territorial integrity. And that's where what you just said would all be embodied whereby a serious crime to try to violate or try to, 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 to diminish our sovereignty or to negotiate our nationality. For example, selling passports to Guatemalans, which are, is prohibited by the Constitution, that has gone on truly. Then the matter of selling a passport, hello? Hello? Yes. Hello? I'm here. I'm uh, here. Go ahead, Don. Selling I agree. passport to, 
Okay. Selling passports to people that have never set foot on this country. Another one. But it seems that nobody is interested. None of the politicians. I am waiting to hear what they're going to say on Monday. At this long sitting Monday and Tuesday. About this matter of prostituting our nationality. Our passports, man. And it seems that everybody is still happy or nonchalant. Or they don't care what happened. That so many passports. I'll tell you what. This matter, this investigation has not even begun this they scratch the surface of the iceberg because I was told by a person, a well-versed person here in San Ignacio, that in this matter of passports, there are hundreds of justices of the peace or signatures, justices of the peace, that are not being questioned. They signed I... that they know a person that has never been here. Get peace. They are not investigating them, along with Mr. Pena and others. Then you have the matter of, for example, this matter of a, a, a medical certificate for nationality. I was told that there is a bundle of them here in Cayo of medical, capital medical certificates that were approved, and yet those people have never been even touch on their wrist. That should go into this investigation. And there's this other matter that is becoming even larger. The matter of people are coming here, post imposters that are coming here to will and deal our, our ministers. I saw on the Facebook there a meeting being held by a person who the central bank claims is a fraud, having a meeting with four of our ministers and two of our big businessmen is in the Facebook. I think you can find it there. And if you have seen it, I have. Yes, okay, I have. Yes, sir. Okay. You see that a lord, some lord. S-L-A-R, not Lord, Lord, or something like that. It's something that you can buy over. You can, you can buy that title. You have the application form that you can become a Lord. I forget how much you pay. But, okay. So, there you have this thing here. And now this same person comes and gets into the electoral process by supporting an unknown person to win in a constituency. And his statement was, I will continue supporting others. Look at this. What is happening? Man, we can go far and far into this matter. And the man has declared publicly that his non-elected, unknown person is the Deputy Minister of Natural Resources, um, of um, Trade and Industry Commerce, a Deputy Minister that we do not know that there was a deputy minister... It's completely appalling. It is terrible. Yes. Who is appalling. Who is investigating this? Are any of the politicians from both sides aware of this? Will they get up in the National Assembly and say something about this? We want to hear. The people want to hear. But the people need 
more enlightenment, more education as to what actually is happening to Belize. Belize that can be on the verge of total destruction as has happened to other nations like what we heard read about Persia, about Siam, about all those countries that disappeared from the surface of the map or history because the people allowed it to happen, that the country countries were destroyed. We don't want that to happen to our beautiful Belize. So somebody, somebody has to get up. Our people have to get up and say, for God's sake, stop it. <laughs> the famous words, huh? For God's sake, stop it. <laughs> somebody has to do that. Mm-hmm. The people have to do it. Has to be, it has to be done with conviction. And it, you know, um, I, I will always um, give credit to Bobby Lopez for highlighting this. And he says yes, that yes. The, the definition of insanity by virtue of Einstein is, is continuously doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome. And that's, what, yes. that's basically the futile exercise that we've been going through for so many years as an electorate. Because exactly. we've seen the cutoff of the jib of the two sides of this coin. And I don't know yes. when our people will stand up and say, you know what, enough is enough. Let us move forward and do away with these two and embrace something new. And that's why, Don Hector, I, I applaud you for speaking out and calling for like-minded individuals to, to take the bull by the horns and to take charge. Because if we don't, we cannot depend on these politicians on either side of the, the non-divide to do it. Yeah. They party before country. Yeah. This is a culture that was created, and I always use the word from 1981, a culture that was developed that anything could be done and it could be covered from the people. In other words, so many things have occurred that people did not know and when it came to light, the people were totally hypnotized because of gifts, bribery, offers that are given by politicians on election day and threats that are handed over within this culture. Don't do that or your child loses scholarship. Don't do this or will not give you business from government, don't do this like what they do with, with, with Plus TV. We will not give you ads. Look at the thing. We will mm-hmm. not give you ads. Ads that actually come from people's money is being used as a weapon to intimidate, to bribe, to try to muzzle the voice of the people. And this is another factor that people should know. And I wish at my retirement age, I cannot retire. I cannot retire. I have said people, look, I would have said goodbye. Let they handle it. But it hurts me because I would always consider me a traitor to my country to keep quiet. And also, 
a traitor to my future generations and the poor people of this country that are going through this this this, this suffering, hunger. I mean, no medical facilities. I have seen people that prefer to die, well, not prefer, but die because they cannot afford the expensive medications, for example, a tablet, $4 and something, while Social Security is bidding in money to buy BTL, to bidding in money to do whatever they want, yet the poor people cannot get free medication. Oh, they have Medicaid, whatever they mention, but that's not a, a universal solution to the people of this country. You know, people in the villages are going through painful days because they cannot afford the, the, the medications prescribed. I went back to a school. To you know what? Uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to touch on something, and I know that some people out there may be uncomfortable in talking about it, but I believe in full disclosure. And, yeah, you know, I, I, I will be the first to admit that um, I champion efforts to uplift women and that they should play a critical role within the, the political system. I believe that women should be empowered and they should have yeah. equal access and equal rights as men. But when I look at the, and you know, I'm going to take some flack for it, but I'm going to come out and say, when I look at the, the travesty that took place the other day, whereby the Prime Minister's wife had this um, 20,000 woman march, and when you can come out and say that you are allocating $270,000 for quote-unquote logistics, mm-hmm. that sickens me to my stomach. It sickens me because with $270,000, do you know what all could have been done to empower women with regards to practical terms? They could have mm-hmm. set up scholarship funds. They, should, they could have set up training facilities. They could have sent, set up a small microfinance loans or grants for individuals, for young women, old women, what have you, to open up entrepreneurial endeavors instead of just going out under the guise of doing something to empower women, which in effect was basically a political rally. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to say it, but that's how I do it. And I think it was a, a total mismanagement, uh, ill-conceived notion in terms of what could have been done by way of all those funds that are allocated. And unfortunately, I'm, you know, I, 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 I can only call it as I see it, but we know that whenever politicians or the politicals are involved and they classify things as logistics, that goes into an abyss, a black hole, and quite, quite more often than not, individuals will have their grubby hands in there to get kickbacks. Mm-hmm. So I think That's that right. when you look at the situation, for example, with the... These, these, these two cases that just recently came up, the, the poor young lady who lost her life um, a few years ago, and these, these, these criminals, they walked because of a technicality. Why couldn't some of that $270,000 be set up for a fund for the child that is left yes. without a mother? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Things of that yes. nature is, is, that I, is what I see as being tangible, not sitting around and, and paying individuals to put on a, a T-shirt and, and gallivant around. You know, maybe... Some people went out there with good intention. But what my role is, and I believe what your role is also, Don Hector, you would agree, is to look at these things critically and, and 
expose to the people a different perspective. Papo, I tell you what. Sorry, just take a pin there. What I saw there is something that actually bothers me. To empower a person, a woman, you do not take money to do that. Who empowered Mrs. Lizaraga, Madam Liz? Who empowered all these women, Trust Casasola, and all these women that were so active in politics, the deputy mayor of Benquebiejo del Carmen, Carolina Segura, the de- deputy mayor of Orange Rock, Pinita, all these women that, that occupied Evadne Hall, Senator, all these people in Belize, that women that occupied very high positions, they did not march to be empowered. These I know. Hundreds of women that I have listed, and I gave a copy to a young lady that is in at the Women's Affair, or I don't know what, of all these women that actually went at it and they got it. They were not pushed to do it. They went and they got it. So when I heard about empowering women, I said, empower for what? I would like to hear more protecting women. Protecting women. But important, that means that you have to give a man a drunken man one, one, one drink to make it, get, go, make it get sober. No man. And as you said, mm-hmm. that amount of money that was spent there, I saw another program where the ladies of Belize produced some of the most beautiful art. They had it, I think, at another place by, by, by somewhere in Belize City. I saw it on television. The beautiful thing that our women are producing. That's where the government would come with 270,000 or a million and restructure that program that we had named Handicraft Center. It was located right on Arbor Street between Old Bulla and uh, there was this building, it's right there close to I don't know what happened. That's where government used to buy or rather market the produce of all the women from the country, a basket come there. And then find a market in Taiwan, Korea, Hong Kong, wherever it is, Arab world. And there were these women mm-hmm. showing their product. But no empowerment for them because they need somebody, an outlet for their product. Beautiful chains, beautiful hats. Beautiful person, beautiful everything was seen there. I think I know if the Rotary was involved. I don't remember who. But this just showed last week what the women of this country can do. And to go into politics and win an election, you don't need nobody to empower you, man. You go at it, Madame Liz did it. Miss Jane Ocean did it. All these women. All these women. I Hello? I'm of, I'm of the same mind as yourself because I'll tell you, when it comes to politics, it has to be something that's within. Yes, now, exactly. I'm all for sensitizing individuals with regards to the political environment, understanding mm-hmm. how governance goes, how the politics goes, but the old Belizean adage holds firm in my mind with regards mm-hmm. to this issue, and I don't want anyone to take it out of context, but... In this regard, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. 
Exactly. If an sure. individual yeah. wants to become involved in politics, he or she, irrespective of their gender, must have that inner drive. And if they don't have it, I don't care how many times you tell them that they could do it, they could do it, they could do it. If they don't want to do it internally, they will not. You can give them a million you, dollars, you can, send it, you can send it to the best university in the world, and they will never make it. It has to come from within, as what they say. Leaders are born, they are not made. That is an old uh, adage that will never change. Leaders are born with leisure qualities. They are, cannot be made. And that's why I'm saying, I want whatever organization to protect our women, protect all those poor uh, 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 single mothers that are going around fighting their way forward. Protect all those uh, uh, persons that that women no that want to do something a little project something get at it. But don't tell him you going to march and then you going to get power. That's not the way to get power. Exactly. I am not against any celebration. I celebrate. But I am seeing what I am aware of, Paco, is that sometimes these functions are taken as a vehicle to introduce foreign agendas. They are taken Absolutely. as Absolutely. Or, or avenues to introduce and ram into Belizeans those 30 foreign agendas that I categorize as Antichrist invasion, moral invasion Absolutely. on our beautiful country of Belize. Well, Paco, I think we have spoken quite a lot. And at any other time, invite me. I am prepared to discuss any subject whatsoever, whatever subject. Any last question you have there? Okay. Yes. Well, Don Hector, we're closing in about um, 13 more minutes left in the show. And yes. I will say that you have definitely provided a wealth of insight. Um, it's just really a pleasure talking to you. And I would like to give you a moment to renew that call, if you wish, for individuals to, to galvanize and come together, because it is only we, the people, that can make the substantive change that is needed in this country. And I'm certainly hoping and praying that your, your, your call is heard, because Belize is in a real precarious situation. It truly Indeed. is. And for those who don't submit it, we're going to get the sense eventually. We've touched on a lot of topics which highlight the precarious situation in which we find ourselves. And I find that there's a lot of facade going around right now from all different areas. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, when I put the, the, the advertisement on Facebook that you, you, you would on the show today, I borrowed from Kyle Boy one of his banners. And basically mm-hmm. the banner says that, you know, if you think that once this guy gets out of, out, of, out, out of office, you think that everything's going to be all right, you're mistaken. Because, mm-hmm. as you rightfully pointed out, they have, they meaning successive administrations, has created an environment in which we're living off of false pretenses in this country. You touched on the BTLs in the BEL situation, those two things will not go away. 
That's right. Our future generations have been straddled with that burden. Time, the rallying power of the super bond. Well, believe them, let me tell you, that super bond hasn't gone anywhere. It's still there. Yes, right. And that's why when I see efforts that are massed as um, beneficial for our people, for our women and whatnot, which in effect are basically um, political disguised, it sickens me to my stomach. And believe me, we have to start to call a spade a spade. Empowerment starts with education and, and allowing access, education, and spending so that people can uplift themselves. The old adage, you could give a man a fish for the day, a fish, and you'll feed him for the day. You teach a man or a woman how to fish, you'll feed them for a lifetime. And that is the credo that we must live by. Because this hand-to-mouth thing, this dependency syndrome in which we've subjected ourselves to by way of the almighty dollar has been destructive to this nation, and it will only continue to destroy us unless civil society stands up and says enough is enough and make me do what we do set this nation on the right path. Don Hector, please, if you could go ahead and make your, make your call, because I, I'm quite certain that you okay. have listened to this and it's very, very salient. May I begin by saying that my urgent wish at this very moment is that the elector, the, or the list, the voters list in this country should be revised immediately. Election will not be until 2017, but the voters list must be revised immediately. There are a ton loads of illegal voters in there. There are many voters that are not alive, that are not living in Belize. And this is something that has to be done before any other election. My other wish, in fact, I would say my other demand is that the electoral laws of Belize against bribery should be enforced immediately. And I think that this way of Belizeans as a whole can do a part by stopping this nonsense whereby a candidate can win by spending money by buying people's votes, the innocent people's votes, not the wise, the innocent people's votes. Because $100 for a very hungry man is like putting a million dollars in the hand of Bill Gates, the richest man. So this is what you call it is a crime that is being repeated whereby a candidate can spend a half a million dollars to win an election. And half a million dollars that come from special interest because he's totally sold to whoever gave him that money. But yet, the voters vote persons that are not qualified to sit in that honorable host. And persons that are going with ulterior motives or motives for enrichment. We have seen this too long. And how can this be done? Very simple. And I intend to go on radio very soon to explain to the people what the electoral laws of Belize says. 
And in simple language, it says that no candidate or his agent or a third person can go to a vote and offer him nothing that is over $4 worth, which would be a nice picture or whatever. But this thing about giving a hundred, giving a scholarship, giving land, giving out, this is totally criminal. And that's what we have been experiencing. That's why we have, I shouldn't use the word, but I will say, dodo boards. We have dodo boards sitting that don't know what they are saying. Ask me that. I have seen people sitting in that house, Paco, sleeping. And when they call all those in favor, they jump and say, aye. But they don't know what they voted for. <laughs> there was another one that said, I read he said, the bill three times. I did not understand it, but I vote for it. This was said in the house. Shameful. So this is Shameful. what Belize, this is what is governing Belize, Paco. Money is a shame, dirty shame. And I wish, I wish that somebody will get organized and begin to plant alibis. They can be found. Then you can pay the alibi. I agree. Pay them. Pay them good for let them go. Beg for that, that gift. Record it and take the person's picture and go to the Supreme Court to test that case. And we can do it in every constituency well organized, and you lock up a few of them, and then you debar them for six years according to the law, or they can pay a fine and jail or both because voters should not be bribed according to our law. That's my second wish, My other wish is that I hope Belizeans begin to realize the sanctity of nationhood. Man be a believer is actually a blessing that we have an identity. That we know who we are and the world know who we are. That we have a flag, we have something. We have a country we can call our own. Outside the borders are not is not our country. This is what every Belizean from primary school should know. To know the sanctity of nationhood. And we must not allow anybody to prostitute it, to prostitute, to sell it, to sell a passport to a man that is in jail, to sell a passport to a person that has never showed up here. And then I heard one of the ministers said that there's nothing wrong with it, that the person doesn't have to come, all you have to say is send the money to pay for the passport. This was said recently by a minister, top minister there. That the person doesn't have to come to Belize to have a passport. What the hell is this one? And so, Belizeans, I hope Belizeans will begin to realize that we are losing Belize very rapidly. And unless we wake up, unless we begin to put sense into our heads, we are in danger of becoming fifth-class citizens. I'll tell you why. Fifth-class citizens. Because the trend that I'm seeing is that Belizeans are becoming... 
Hello? Yes, director, we're going to have to, we're gonna have to, we have to close off uh, shortly Hello? because we have uh, just a minute. Okay. But uh, what I'd like to say, director, is I really thank you so much for, for lending your insight. Uh, we've touched a lot of topics, and I would like to make this plea to the non-aligned out there amongst us, both at home and abroad, that we've heard some very, very critical issues discussed today, and the time is now for us to join together and make a substantive change. I, I thank you very much, Don Hector, for your insight you and your willingness to become involved. Thank yes, you sir. very much. I am so grateful, and hopefully we can have another discussion like this sometime in the very near future. In terms of where we go from here, well, Belizeans, true friends of Belize, both at home and abroad, the decision is ours. Only we can make that change. So please take it to heart. Think about what we discussed today and what we didn't discuss and the things that we need to do to move forward. But I want to impress upon each and every one of you listening out there that we cannot sit back and expect standing political parties to have an epiphany and say that, you know what, Let's, we're going to start to do right by them. That will not happen. With that, I wish you the virtues of peace, love, and guidance, and hopefully we'll see you next, the week after next when I'll have another guest. Thanks a lot for listening to Belize Hard Talk, Tipping Point. I'm Paco Smith. Have a good evening. <laughs>